Welcome to Diet Culture Dropout. Are you ready to drop out of the $72 billion narrative that you've been sold? Diet culture sells us lies, unattainable beauty standards, the narrative that your body's inadequate, and dictates how you should define your health. It is pervasive, oppressive, and damaging to all areas of our health. By dropping out of diet culture, we can together celebrate all bodies, work towards dismantling weight stigma, and stop the transgenerational trauma of body shame and dieting. I'm your host, Athena Brown, a non-diet and body-inclusive registered dietitian, a certified intuitive eating counselor, yoga teacher, and a mom of two strong-willed daughters. My passion is helping people heal their relationship with their body and food so they can live a full life without restrictions, size limits, or food rules. I also desperately want to change the narrative for our kids so they can be the first generation that never diets, has resilience in our body-obsessed world, and a positive relationship with food. This podcast is a safe space for exploration, mindful moments, and take-home practices for anyone looking to find food peace and body liberation. Please remember that this is for educational purposes only and does not replace medical advice from your primary care provider, therapist, or registered dietitian. I am so happy you're here. I want you to know that wherever you are in your food and body peace journey, that there is room at this table for you. You are so worthy, just as you are right now. Welcome back to Diet Culture Dropout. I'm so excited you're here. We are on principle number 10, the last principle in the intuitive eating series, which is honor your health with gentle nutrition. So I will just start off this episode with reading the little blurb the authors create in the intuitive eating workbook. Honor your health with gentle nutrition. Make food choices that honor your health and taste buds while making you feel well. Remember that you don't have to eat a perfect diet to be healthy. You will not suddenly get a nutrition deficiency or gain weight from one snack, one meal, or one day of eating. It's what you eat consistently over time that matters. Progress, not perfection, is what counts. So Evelyn and Elise purposefully put this principle as the very last principle, as they really want the focus on nutrition to be later. Because when you're first engaging in intuitive eating, a lot of people come to it that are kind of stuck in that diet mentality or have really strong dichotomous thinking, uh, whether it's around labeling foods, good and bad. So starting off with nutrition recommendations can be problematic and kind of further encourage that diet mentality. So it is saved for the last principle. Today is a solo episode and it will be just me sharing the space here with this principle. Just to begin, it's important to get to a place where food is emotionally equivalent in order to really understand and recognize what foods give you the most satisfaction, how it makes your body feel. So hoping now that you've listened to some of the other episodes and kind of maybe done a little bit of work on your own with the intuitive eating principles, 
now is the time to kind of figure out what foods to include in your diet to feel good and benefit your overall health. And it's essential that through this process, you're rejecting the diet mentality and making peace with all foods. So many of my clients state that they get to a point where they can't even look or they can't even taste or put on their plate or buy from the grocery store certain foods that were once, you know, required or mandatory or were set in the diet program or plan. So leaving this food feeling really ruined or tainted and just sucking all the enjoyment out of it. I have heard from, from clients, some of the foods being cottage cheese, ricotta cheese, chicken breast, salads, of course, and celery being all very challenging foods that diet culture has kind of labeled and made them eat to a point where there was no satisfaction or enjoyment. So people need to remake peace with these foods. And of course, this doesn't happen overnight, over time, and again, repeated commitment to never go on a diet again, and really making these foods more satisfying over time will help neutralize them back to just foods. Likewise, the same can happen for people that maybe have a lot of forbidden foods. And this may be the case when we're first starting intuitive eating, where there's certain foods that seem alluring, illegal, or enticing. But once again, we make peace with that food and give ourselves unconditional permission to eat it, enjoy them with no strings attached, and really identify that point where we come to satisfaction with that food, they become no big deal. So that habituation effect has been reached, much like when we get a new car for the first time, while well, the first months, maybe weeks, we're very hyper vigilant about keeping it clean and organized and, you know, having maybe some careful, careful rules within the car. But then over time we become habituated with it and it becomes a place where we're more comfortable and a little bit less rigid and stressed. The same thing can happen with those foods when we make peace with them. A big construct of intuitive eating is this body food congruence. So a form of this introceptive awareness, which over all of these principles, we're trying to either build up through principles or remove barriers of, you know, having that body experience, having that food body congruence. So reflecting on what you eat and going beyond just the taste buds or saying how that food is really making you feel in your body. So ultimately you're making food choices based on health and body functioning, as well as pleasure, taste, and satisfaction. We could be making food choices to improve performance. Maybe you're some form of an athlete or to prevent a low blood sugar or to increase those energy levels. Because the fact is when you feel good with the food you're eating, you know, you're going to have more satisfaction from that. So when you feel good, you get even more satisfaction from eating. So this body food congruence can be defined by goals of desiring maybe to get pregnant and making sure you're having essential nutrients, meal type balance, things like that to ensure you're being topped up with all of your vitamins, minerals, and same with a growing baby. It could also be goals of, I'd like to have more energy or stamina, or maybe manage conditions like diabetes, 
celiac disease or oral allergy syndrome. Or it could be the person that gets too hungry too soon, which makes them not able to make it to lunch without a really growling stomach. Those could all be goals that we're trying to find a little bit more balance around. To kind of get you started off, and it's a great place to just start off with some personal reflection. So tuning in and listening to how physically you're feeling after eating certain foods that you choose. Asking questions like, how did your body feel? Did you like that feeling? Were you having any ill effects? Maybe gas or bloating, a stomach ache, headache, or feeling tired? Did you feel more energetic after eating it? Or is it more feeling sluggish? Did that meal or snack hold you long enough? Or did you get hungry really quick following? And are your eating patterns working well for you? Again, everyone will take these answers and will be so individual. So take your time reflecting on that. And of course, there's lots of foods to be trialed. So constantly checking in with your thinking pattern. And if you're applying a rigid mindset, should cue you to also reevaluate your relationship with that food or nutrition recommendation. If there still are some sticky points with certain foods or types of foods that make you feel like you need to have some kind of control or boundaries, restrictions around That's where I would invite you to kind of take a pause and go back to some of the sections and really making peace with all foods and improving that relationship is essential. Another aspect too is being able to evaluate messages that come through. So we know the theme of this podcast is we all live in diet culture and there's going to be messages once we're, you know, through the 10 steps of intuitive eating. It doesn't just block off any problematic messages, but we know they're going to be coming in through social media. Maybe it's friends, family, influencers that you follow on various social media outlets and just kind of evaluating those messages. Are they using scientific rationale? Are you being critical? Are these really another diet culture message? So taking that pause and thinking, evaluating that message, For example, if you learn about the newest nutrition craze, whether it's fearing added sugar or genetically modified products or avoidance of dairy or carbs, are you jumping right on that urge to kind of follow that trend? Or are you considering kind of what we've reviewed in these last episodes and considering the problem that maybe this food rule or this belief or new behavior, whatever it is, how it will impact your relationship with food, with your body, with your mind, right? I guess evaluating how that's really going to work out for you. Or if you're considering this preference to maybe eat more local or more sustainable, all fantastic ideas, but are we becoming too rigid with this? Are we not being able to be flexible in situations? Are there social gatherings that we're isolating ourselves or skipping or not being able to be present with because it's not meeting strict, rigid criteria? That's obviously impacting that relationship with food and the eating experience. So to get back to implementing gentle nutrition, just really starting with some basics. And there's three of them. The first one is variety. Aiming to have lots of variety within your your meals, your snacks, all the foods that you're eating. 
And again, this allows you to have lots of diverse nutrients, getting in different types of protein, fat, carbs, vitamins, minerals, phytochemicals, etc. We know that when people are eating repetitive foods day in and day out, this really limits that exposure to that wide spectrum of nutrients. So question to ask yourself, in what ways can you increase your variety? Whether that's through trying a new recipe, maybe it's taking a cooking class, maybe it's going to your local farmer's market and finding what fruit or vegetable or some kind of product that they're selling that's that's new to you. Maybe it's taking a longer look at the grocery store. Um, we kind of get into those comfortable routines of always buying, you know, the blue package of this or this form of crackers or whatever. So it's maybe taking a stroll down some aisles and looking at different sections. I know for us lately, okra was something I, there's a lot of foods I never had when I was a child in terms of diversity, but okra was one of them that I've just now been more comfortable with cooking. We've also been trying lots of oranges. There's so many cool orange flavors that just blows my mind. <laughs> the variety and taste. Kefir is another one, not common food that I had when I was a child. And another fish that we've been exploring lately is the mahi-mahi fish. I'm realizing how much I really enjoy it and the texture, the taste, and kind of the mouthfeel from it. These are all new, I would say, food eating experiences that I've had in the last couple years. So we can always increase our variety. The next one is moderation. You likely are eating more routinely based on the principles of intuitive eating. The ones we covered with honoring your hunger and learning more about fullness and making peace with food. You're being more intentional with listening and honoring those signals, which is leading to eating more throughout the day, more regularly um, to nourish yourself, to feel good. And of course, some days are easier than others when something unexpected happens or life happens, but we're kind of saying for the most part. So questions to ask yourself is how is your eating? What are you maybe not eating or what times in the day are a little bit more challenging for you to get that meal or snack in or allow for moderation? And then the last factor is balance. So are you feeling you're getting enough balance in your meals? Encouraging you to look again, not on a day-by-day -day basis or a meal basis, but looking at more week trends rather than day-to-day. -day. Are there areas you need more attention on? There was a really good study done where they were assessing the intakes of toddlers and they found that, you know, based on fiber needs and protein needs and the different energy expenditures that these kids had, they notice that over longer term trends, like a week, kids were meeting all of their nutrient needs over time rather than on a single day. So looking at more longer term trends is essential. For me around balance, getting more protein at breakfast is something I have to be more mindful about. I'm no longer making breakfast just for myself. I'm having to make it for other people, little people that are maybe um, making messes and taking more of my time. So mornings tend to be more rushed. So that's like an area for me that I have to be more mindful about. All right. And then getting to more specific nutrition 101 is some gentle guidelines. And I just wanted to kind of make a disclaimer that I'm not your registered dietitian. This is very general nutrition advice and it's not 
always helpful for everyone. So always encouraging people to get more tailored individual advice because everyone's bodies are at different stages and there's maybe layers of medical conditions or other factors that we need to take um, account for, right? So carbohydrates, just giving a general overview, you know, they are our main source of energy. This is our gasoline. This is our preferred fuel. And our brain generally gobbles up a lot of this. It makes all of our muscles work, everything in our body pump and function properly. And again, they're a vital energy source. And if we don't consume them, our body starts eating its muscles. So it dismantles proteins and we go into kind of that gluconeogenesis states, which is creating new sugar. And again, carbohydrates are just essential. For the average teenager adult, we need a minimum of 130 grams a day to kind of function, 175 grams during pregnancy and 210 during lactation. And again, one of our most essential macronutrients that are so vilified and feared by diet culture, exclusive for the brain, exclusive for our body's main energy source. Proteins. Proteins are the building blocks of muscles, organs, hair, nails, enzymes, hormones, and more. If we don't take in enough carbs, our body will use protein from our bodies to make a form of energy. And it is really destructive on our body. And then fats. So fats are very necessary. They are needed to absorb all of our fat soluble vitamins. So vitamin D, E, A, and K are fat soluble vitamins and they protect our nerves. They help with neurotransmitter receptors. It also gives us satiety and satisfaction, and it also insulates us, keeps us warm and protects all those internal organs. When we had that crazy low fat stage, I always think jokes on diet culture and our bodies because it was so much promoted to eat, you know, these glorious salads with like zero anything <laughs> salad dressing added on top and jokes on us because we weren't even able to absorb any of those vitamins without putting some kind of fat, whether it was olive oil or sun, you know, flour oil or any kind of fat in the dressing. So there are a lot of fads that don't make sense in terms of a metabolic absorption rates as well too. And that was definitely one that, you know, feel bad for all those salads that were eaten. <laughs> Next ones are vitamins and minerals. They help convert food into energy, repair cell damage, strengthen bones, heal wounds, boost our immune system. They make blood cells, hormones, neurotransmitters that help mood, your cognition. There's so many functions of vitamins and minerals. They are required in much smaller doses than our carbs, proteins, and fats, and are also essential. Again, a lot of these vary depending on your blood work and your disease state and your life cycle stage. If you're pregnant, you have much different iron needs, B12 needs than someone who's not. And then fiber. Fiber is in anything that's a plant product. So it helps with digestion and it really helps promote a healthy gastrointestinal tract keeping our bowels aligned and creating environments for bacteria to kind of grow and thrive. So fiber is also essential. 
And then when we're looking more at other gentle guidelines, of course, I'm a dietitian. We're encouraging eating fruits and vegetables, right? Having lots of variety, eating the rainbow we always talk about. And they're all very diverse in terms of their nutrient profile. So having, again, that variety makes a big difference. And for some parents with kids, this is well, even older kids or adult kids that don't like vegetables. That's a very common challenge for a lot of people. And fruit, again, has a lot of similar nutrient profiles as vegetables. So as much as you can, you know, have, have the fruit. If there's no vegetable possible to be consumed, having the fruit option is a great choice. Fish, uh, fish is glorious. Lots of omega-3s vitamin D, calcium in it. We're always encouraging people to try and have fish at least twice a week. If you're not a fish eater, there are lots of other alternatives that have omega-3s in them. They just don't convert to the same ratio impact as eating fish. And again, eating a piece of fish can't simply be replaced with taking an omega-3 supplement. In that instance, we're just taking one element out of the fish. We're not consuming all of those other thousands of chemical reactions that, you know, through science, we're not even fully comprehending all of that yet. So fish is glorious. And I already talked about carbohydrates, making sure we have adequate amounts of those. Going for nutrient-dense foods most of the time where we can. Protein-rich foods, so including a variety of them, whether they're from animal proteins, dairy, beans, fish, tofu, nuts, seeds, all variety of proteins. There are some proteins in more of the plant base that you need to be consuming with other things to make complete proteins. Beans and rice, for instance, solo on their own are not a complete protein. When we're eating them together, we get complete protein. And then the quality of the fats. So diversifying, I think, is the biggest key as well here. So traditionally, our diets were higher in saturated fats. Not saying that they're evil, but there are a lot of other forms of fats like omega-3s, which we can get again from seafood, from algae, from seaweed, nuts, seeds, olive oil. We don't tend to have a lot of liquid plant-based fats. So any ways we can increase those, whether it's through salad dressings, adding them to dips, sauces, marinades, etc. All great ways to add it in. And then whole foods. So again, defining what a processed versus unprocessed food is could be another whole whole chat in itself but most of the time trying to eat foods that still retain their fiber vitamins and minerals so that's kind of like a general overview again more personalized information is is likely needed so connect with your local dietitian or if you're in need of someone who aligns similar to my values i would love to um, help support you in finding that person and then maybe evaluating to how you're eating. And that's kind of the part of intuitive eating that does really great job at is creating that atmosphere and making maybe the emphasis if it works for you and you prefer this, but spending time with people sitting at a table, eating together. I know when I worked in the nursing home and in primary care, a lot of the seniors, my recommendation was to just eat with family and friends because we always eat more encompassing meals, more kind of balanced meals when we're eating 
with others, if we're going to that dinner party or if we're having friends or family over. We generally are making more of an encompassing meal than something quick and easy like tea and toast or something much more quicker. Just to kind of summarize, intuitive eating really is a dynamic interplay of instinct, emotion, and thought. And I just want you to remember that you were born with all these instincts to eat what you need to nourish your body. Intuitive eating is really guiding you back to that place, stripping you from that restrictive thinking and that emotional eating. Using the information you know about your body will inform you of what you truly need to get that variety, to get that moderation and balance in your eating. And a big core of intuitive eating is satisfaction. It's the driving force to intuitive eating. So if we keep that goal in mind, it will really help motivate us to, again, honor the principles, but also find nutritious food or adequate nutrition that feels good in our bodies. Also leaving you that no one meal will affect your overall nutrition, right? Intuitive eating is flexible. It's not about perfection. It's not about getting it right all the time. So it's really offering you those guidelines for that comfortable relationship with food. For the most part, strive for having variety, moderation, balance. For the most part, enjoy nutritious food. Enjoy, you know, highly palatable food. Include all foods. And for the most part, eat satisfying meals. When we can be more in tune with our relationship with food, rejecting the diet culture, and really listening, this will drive what to eat, when to eat, and how much to eat. I hope this series was helpful, and I really encourage you to submit any questions, comments, and I'd love to hear your feedback. So take care, and that is the last episode of the Intuitive Eating Series. Thanks for being here. I hope you enjoyed listening to Diet Culture Dropout. If you like today's podcast, I would love for you to leave a review, share the episode with a friend, or subscribe. The more we can collectively break down diet culture, the closer we get to food peace and celebrating all bodies. Thanks for being here. Thank you.